All right. Well, I'm very excited to be with you guys this morning. And I'm also really excited to announce that Ben and Rose had their baby, baby Wyatt. (laughs) So I'm really excited that they're not here this morning um, so that they can get some time together as a family uh, and learn what that that looks like. So I did also just, they'll hopefully get to listen to this later, but I wanted to take a moment just to commend Ben and Rose both um, for the work that they do. And I don't get to be up here much, but um, I'm on the elder team, and just me and the other elders have been really impressed with Ben and Rose, and really appreciate all the work that they've they've put into obeying the Lord um, here at Orchard and loving on all of us. So um, thank you, Ben and Rose, when you listen to this. I just wanted to say that in front of everyone. So um, today we're going to take a break away um, from Jude and we're going to be talking about prayer. So um, we will touch on a couple related topics like prayer and also being prepared for the return of the Lord when he comes back. So in in those ways, our content will be similar, but we'll be in a different passage talking about different things this morning. So um, before we start into that, would you just bow with me in prayer? Daddy, we need you. We are desperate for you to work. Uh, I am desperate for you this morning. Uh, Help me to clearly communicate your word. I don't know what's what's needed. I cannot see um, hearts or minds. I don't know what's going on in the lives of, of everyone here, but you do, and your spirit is is alive and active. And uh, I pray that you would work powerfully this morning through your word. Um, Lord, we we long for you to work. We need you in our lives. So help us to understand your word as we dive in. I pray that you would give me clarity in my speaking, um, that I would be sensitive to your spirit's leading. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Well, we're just going to dive right in. So... Uh, in college, I had a friend um, that was really close childhood friend, and um, we grew up doing a lot of the same things, going to the same church, having the same faith in common. And then in college, he uh, began to struggle and really began doubting Christ and eventually turned away from Christ and chose to not follow Christ um, due to um, what he had become convinced of, of lack of evidence of the truth of, of the Bible. And so he decided to, um, to be his own master and to choose his own way. And so I and um, other friends and family members began to pray uh, that he would again choose the Lord and follow him. And, and it was really neat because he did. He actually, a few years later, um, became convinced again of the truth of of the word, and that Christ is the only um, is really the only true life and so that was awesome. <laughs> we were super excited um, and continues that that relationship continues to be a, a sweet encouragement to me as I get to um, to relate to him and his wife um, so that was an encouragement to me in saying God answered a prayer 
Since that time, there's been other close friends and other family members that have also done the same thing, that have walked away from Christ. Um, and that's, that's been difficult um, because I truly believe that walking with Christ is, is best for them. It's not just what I want for them. It's what I absolutely believe is, is best for them. Um, so it's difficult to watch that. Um, and I struggle with, does, with the question like, am I praying wrong? Is there something um, that I could be doing different? Is it sin in my life? Um, does, God, does God care? Like, I, I think that can be a struggle for us when we see unanswered prayer um, or delayed prayer. So um, what, what do you do when you have those situations and those relationships in your life? Uh, probably most of you have those, if not all of you. So you might just take a moment um, and at least consider at least one of them. Maybe there's more. But bring that to mind. That will really help you to engage with our topic this morning. So my... Um, God, God does care. God cares about your pain and their pain, whoever they are. Um, and he longs to answer your prayers in regards to that situation or those people. Um, and yet there's delay. So how, how do we deal with this? So the point of today's message is that the perseverant praying of God's chosen people moves God to act. Um, the perseverant praying of God's chosen people moves God to act. Um, so we're going to grapple with that truth and the reality of, of delayed answers to prayer or what seem to be unanswered answers to prayer or, or prayer um, requests. So wherever you're at this morning, whether you are a um, skeptics that doesn't believe in God at all, and uh, or, or you're someone that trusts God, but you feel shame, and you're like, well, why? I, I've messed up so much. Why would God listen to me? Anyways, <laughs> I don't deserve his attention or his answer in my life. Um, maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you have been praying <laughs> again and again, and, and you love God, but you're just discouraged. You've been praying for months or years about the same thing, and God still hasn't come through. Um, so maybe you're just discouraged. Maybe you're eager. Maybe this is something you're, you're looking forward to talking about, prayer, and, and what that looks to, to persevere. Wherever you're at, um, I pray that you would engage and be expectant. Look to God to see what he has to say about persevering in prayer and, and what that looks like, and especially in light of delay. Um, so my hopes for you this morning, I have three different hopes. I, I pray that you would see God as uh, powerful and able to do whatever he wants and yet tender in his regard for us, that he does care. I hope that you see that God listens to his people and cares. Um, and then finally, I hope that you, the aspects of God that you'll see this morning through scripture would be something that motivates you to persevere in praying, 
even when it's difficult and you're discouraged, um, and that you would pray expectantly until Christ comes again. So that being said, let's jump into the passage we're going to look at. So if you would, we're going to look at Luke 18, 1 through 8. So we'll go through this, look at the context, and then we'll finish up today with looking at why Jesus um, said some of the things that he did. So, um, so these scriptures will also be up on the, on the screen for you. So verse 1 in chapter 18 says, Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. So this is Jesus talking to his disciples. That's the them. And the whole point of these next eight verses of the parable is that they wouldn't give up praying, that they would continue praying. So we have some of the background for the parable. Let's move into verse 2. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. So we have this judge in verse 6, a little bit later, he's referred to as an unrighteous judge. And we immediately have a contrast of what a good judge should be in our minds. We know what a good judge does. They respect the law. They're working for the benefit of all people. So we have, but in this parable, we have an unrighteous judge who doesn't care um, about God, who doesn't fear God, and doesn't respect man. So moving into verses 3 through 5, there was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while, he was unwilling, but afterward, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. So we have this widow, and I don't know what kind of justice she was looking for, what kind of specific justice she wanted, but it is obvious that... uh, that she was willing to persevere. And despite difficulty and discouragement, this judge kept throwing her off and putting her off, um, and yet she persevered. She kept asking. So uh, moving on to verse 6 through 8. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect, who cry to him day and night, And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So Jesus draws attention to the unrighteous judge statement in verse 6. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. And what did the judge say? Yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. God, in contrast to this unrighteous judge, God cares greatly. This judge didn't care anything. He only cared because he was bothered that he was being worn out by this lady's persistence. But we have a God who cares for us, that he doesn't, uh, doesn't delight in the pain and the delay um, whereas this, this judge could care less about um, the person asking. So Jesus uses the, this image of the widow um, 
So there's several reasons we can infer why, why he used this image of the widow. So the whole point, again, what's the point of the parable? That we ought to pray and to not lose heart. So when we're looking at that, um, we see that there's this idea of, of prayer and asking God and that at its root, prayer is admitting that we don't have what it takes. This widow was helpless. She couldn't bring about the justice that she wanted on her own. She knew she had to ask the judge. He was the one with the power. He was the one with the ability to uh, bring about the justice that she wanted. And in a similar way, we can see that we do not have what it takes. So anytime we pray, we are admitting that we need God. We need someone more powerful than us to, to work on our behalf. So at its, prayer, at its root, prayer is admitting that we are helpless and we need God. So finally, uh, Jesus ends in verse 8. He says, I tell you that he will bring about justice for them, referring to God, quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When I, first, the first few times that I read this, like that, that uh, last part of verse 8 just seemed haphazard to me. Like, why'd you, why'd you slap that phrase on there? However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I, I just didn't know where it came from at all. But uh, and when you're looking at context and you read back, you see that in the previous chapter, it makes a lot of sense why he would ask that question. So in the previous chapter in Luke 17, Jesus had been talking about how, what his return will look like. And he draws some comparisons with um, his judgment and how it had come suddenly without warning in previous days, like in the days of Noah, when the whole world was surprised by God's judgment because they were following their own ways and not God's ways. And like in the days of Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah, when men were following their own passions, their own desires, not submitting themselves to God's um, plan, and they were surprised by God's judgment. So uh, in chapter 17, verse 22, you don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll just be summarizing part of that. But um, the point, Jesus has been drawing this analogy for his disciples that he will be coming again, and it will be suddenly, without warning, and that those who are seeking their own life and doing the, in um, 17 it talks about in both of those cases, in Noah's day and Lot's day, people were eating and drinking and marrying. They were doing their own thing without regard for what God desired for them. And then they were surprised by the judgment that came upon them. So uh, God destroyed those who followed their own desires instead of living by faith. So what's, what's the connection? <laughs> uh, Jesus is helping his disciples understand that there's a significant link between persevering prayer and the kind of faith that pleases God, a faith that largely wasn't present in Noah's day and Lot's day. So persistent prayer demonstrates the kind of faith that God is looking for in his people because we realize we're helpless we need God to provide direction for our lives. 
and we need to live according to God's plan, not our own desires, not doing our own thing. So this type of perseverant prayer reflects that kind of faith. So if we pray, going back to the parable, if we pray with the type of faith that this, um, this widow had and continuing to, to bug the unrighteous judge, if we would pray like this, then when Christ comes again, he will find faith on the earth. He will find us faithful. So let's move uh, from the context. We've looked at that into interpreting what is, what is Jesus telling us in this. So again, the main idea for today is the perseverant prayer, praying of God's chosen people moves God to act. So we're going to break that into three different parts. So let's start with perseverant praying. So again, what kind of prayer moves God to act? Let's go back and look again at the widow and some of the phrases that, they, that is used in this parable. So we start off with uh, the judge and what he was saying. So she, in verse 3, she said, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me. That phrase of bothering, like that's a lot of, of pestering, a lot of interacting to where someone feels bothered. I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. So we have continually coming, like all the time. She was just at his door. She will wear me out. And I, I don't know that I've been bothered this much where I've been worn out, but I was trying to think of, of a comparison for me and maybe when I was, and I think it would be with children <laughs> asking for the same thing again and again. <laughs> and you keep giving them the reason why they can't, but they keep coming. And as parents, you got to fortify each other. <laughs> um, like, no, this is why we're not doing this because <laughs> you just want to give in because of their persistence. You're being worn down. Um, so maybe you've experienced some similar situation in your life, but there's this idea of being worn down do we pray like this? I, this? It's been really convicting to me to look at this passage because usually I don't. Um, I think I get discouraged or I get forgetful or I just try and figure out something on my own. But I don't persevere. I don't keep trusting God to work what would it look like for you to pray like this about whatever person or situation that you thought of before? Does the way that we pray show that we understand that God wants us to bother him, to wear him out? Right? Jesus is the one giving us this parable. He's the one um, contrasting this unrighteous judge with the righteous God Verse seven. Now will God bring about? Now will not God bring about justice for His elect who cry to Him day and night? God can do whatever He wants. For some reason, He delays, and He has purposes, good purposes for that, um, for us. So there's something in that process of us begging God 
bothering God, wearing him out, that's good for us and honoring for God. What would it be like if we prayed like this for the souls of people around us, for our friends and family, for the world at large? We know that that's within God's will because that's what he taught us to do in the Lord's Prayer, praying that his kingdom would come, his will be done. We know that he wants people to be saved. What about praying for people that are starving, that don't have what it takes to just even survive? We know that that's something we're supposed to pray for, praying for our daily bread. Again, admitting, and this is something, again, conviction for me. I pretend that it's my ability, it's my strength, it's my health that provides for me and my family. There's, <laughs> that's, that is false. And then that's me pretending that I have something of ability or strength that I don't have. That is all God's gift. Uh, and it's God's gift for those around us. And we're supposed to pray for that. What if we prayed like this, that God's name would be made great in the world? If we would pray that it, his name actually would be hallowed, that it would be set apart, what would he do if we were all begging him to do that? Because we believe that's what's best, not only for ourselves, but for the rest of the world. What would God do? So, um, yeah, we are helpless this type of prayer shows our faith. It shows God. It shows the people around us. We actually are trusting God, not ourselves. We're not trusting Orchard to reach people. We're not trusting our own strength to provide for our families or raise our kids or reach those that are lost. We're trusting God. So this type of prayer demonstrates the type of faith that Christ is looking for and will be expecting when he returns. And it's not us. It's not what we're doing. Let's move on to God's chosen people. So the perseverant praying of God's chosen people moves God to act. God listens to his chosen people. Again, verse 7, Now will, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? So how is this fair? This, that's something I think of. Like God only listens to his people. Like on, yeah, I just struggle with that because I think of God as being loving, like he wants what's best for everyone. But this says he listens and brings about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night. So simply put, there's, this could be a whole nother message, a whole nother topic, but God does what he wants as creator. He has every right, right? If we create something, that creation doesn't have the right to talk back to us and say, why did you make me like this? Or why are you doing this? Uh, he's king over all. He's Lord of all the universe, of both life and death. So God has the right to do what he wants. And yet, so that's the supremely powerful God, and yet he's incredibly tender towards us. And he's given each and every one of us the option to become one of his elect. So let's uh, skip down. So now we're going farther in the passage, verses 9 through 14. Um, you can open your Bibles to this if you'd like. I'm going to read these, um, but we'll see how he invites us into this relationship with him, this um, chosen people relationship. In verse 9, 
And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves and that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. It was the second man that was exalted, that was justified or made right with God. And it was because of his humility that he admitted he didn't have what it took to be pleasing to God. And this was the man that God listened to. So what does it mean to humble ourselves? We see this example. Simply it means we admit that we're sinners, just like this man did, that we need God's forgiveness. We need the forgiveness that Christ gives, who lived perfectly and died for us and rose again. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified, made, made right, just like this man was in verse 14, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Each and every one of us has the option to be one of God's elect who he listens to, that he won't delay long in answering our prayer and bringing justice. So that is available to all of us. Let's look, let's keep moving and look at God is moved to act. So the perseverant praying of God's chosen people moves God to act. God tells us to ask. There's a relationship between giving and receiving. So, or between asking and receiving. And this is one of the mysteries of God to me that there there is a relationship. There is some condition on whether we actually get what we ask um, or whether we get something if we don't ask. So again, looking at the widow, she received, in this parable, she received justice because of her perseverance. Would she have gotten it without persevering? No. The judge just would have been doing his own thing. Now, we have a God who's unlike the judge and cares deeply, but in his wisdom... He does delay. Otherwise, we wouldn't, this parable wouldn't be here. And Jesus wouldn't be exhorting us to not lose heart. So for some reason, God does delay. But it's a good reason. And it involves our obedience and asking and in persevering and asking. And I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to understand that. <laughs> but I do know it's true, as we see here in Scripture uh, Matthew 7, 7 says, uh, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it will be open to you, right? The, there's conditions there. You ask and then you receive. You seek and then you find. You knock and then the door's opened. So for some reason, God's ordained that this, this relationship work like this. Jesus wanted his disciples to not lose heart, which is why he shared this. God said he wouldn't delay long, that he would bring justice quickly And the last verses in the parable. So again, we come back to where we started. Why the delay? 
I'm going to give some reasons. It is not, not exhaustive <laughs> at all. I think there's a lot more. But for what we have time for, um, there are just some questions more on our side. Um, but are we praying for his kingdom to come and his will to be done? Is that actually what we want? Do we want God's kingdom and his glory above what we're asking for? Because when we followed Christ, we made him Lord of our life. We said, I want what you want. So now as we're living out that relationship, do we actually want what God wants? So if we do, ultimately we know we have the answers that we're asking for because ultimately we want God. And we have that relationship. Another question to think of is, are we praying like this widow? Are we praying, are we persevering in prayer? Again, this type of prayer demonstrates the faith that Christ is looking for when he returns. So let's go back to where we started. So I had a friend that turned away from the Lord and then turned back, and that was an answer to prayer. Now I still have friends and family that have turned away from the Lord and are continuing in that. And I struggle with this delay in answering. So what do we do? In light of what we've looked at today, we take heart. And there's a few reasons for that. We take, take heart, we continue praying because we know that this type of prayer demonstrates our faith and we want to be found faithful when Christ comes. We want to be found faithful right now as we're waiting for him to come. And we know that this type of faith is pleasing to him and that this faith, this type of prayer demonstrates that. We take heart and we believe that God cares, looking at God as a judge, as a righteous judge. We believe that he cares, that he listens, and that he will ultimately answer prayer in the right way. We can't pretend that we know what's right. God's, um, he knows all things. He knows what's best. So we trust him. We keep praying. He tells us to pray. But ultimately, we rest in his knowledge and his wisdom, not our own thinking about what's the best answer. So the perseverant praying of God's chosen people does move God to act. So in closing, Jesus is returning. He is looking for faith. I pray that he would find us faithful, that we would be begging him, that we would be on our knees, that we would be bothering him, that we would be wearing him out, that those would be um, actions and adjectives that would describe us, that we would be like the man in the second parable that we looked at that was unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We know we don't have what it takes. And this type of prayer doesn't save us. It's our belief in Christ. But he's called us to this type of obedience. I pray that we would wait expectantly because our God isn't an unrighteous judge. Like in this situation, he's a righteous judge. He's a loving father that loved us so much that he sent his son to die in our place. We have this type of God to share our hurts and our pains. We have this type of God that we get to seek justice from. So um, please go ahead and bow with me.
righteous judge. We are so grateful that you are tender towards us because we know that we don't measure up to your expectations. Thank you that we can become your children, that we can be the elect that you listen to and that you do not delay long over. God, we confess we still struggle with that. Why do you delay? We commit to to trusting your goodness, to trusting your knowledge of all things, God, that you are all wise and you are all powerful, able to do which, what you want, God, and what is going to bring you glory and what will uh, be best for us as well. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.